we will just begin. <clears throat> Are you all set? You're all, good? All set, and then go ahead and make sure you talk like this. Okie yeah. dokie. Okay. So... Well, here we are. It is the Let's Go Eat show, and um, I, I can't believe that I've ever, not ever had you on this podcast before. Taryn Hyatt, uh, who is now the regional... Yeah, area director for Air, yeah. Utah, Nevada. For uh, the uh, American Found... I, you know, as many years as I've done this, I always have to go, American Foundation for yeah. Suicide Prevention. It's a mouthful. Uh, AFSP. And uh, uh, Taryn and I have been associated... Uh, oh, by the way, we are uh, recording again at the Daily in downtown Salt Lake City, 222 South Main. It's a breakfast and lunch place, a takeaway place, uh, and a good place for brunch on Saturday and Sunday. Great coffee. I'm having a spicy tuna sandwich, mm-hmm. which is absolutely delicious, and I need it today. <laughs> so, uh, at, at any rate, uh, you and I have been associated now for six, seven yeah. years, something like that. And uh, every year, I've been, uh, I've been. It's been my really my privilege to um, be the host or the MC of the uh, annual walk in Liberty Park. And again, it's in Liberty Park. Yep. Coming up. September Next Saturday, 14th. Oh, yep. it's two, two it's weeks. Two weeks from Saturday, <laughs> and uh, I thought we were you were going to move it. Yeah, well, we we probably will after this year. We we've just outgrown the venue. It's so. too, it is. There are so many Which people. Makes me sad. Yeah, it is sad. I love I, that park and love the space, but and, and, and it's sad that there are yep. so many people yep. that are affected by suicide. It's just it's overwhelming. Yeah, but but it is also glad in that they come together at yeah. this thing, and uh, it's just amazing. It's not really, for the most part, a horrible, somber. No, it's uh, very hopeful. Huh? Yeah, there's great energy and passion, mm-hmm. and just coming together with others who've been affected. Yeah, and it's but it's gotten so big that so you do what are you supposed to do like three laps around the park two is what we two. encourage folks they usually make it one yeah and it, but, but it, there's but, eight thousand of them last year i know and they <laughs> and they and they so they there some of them are finishing and yep. there, there are they're people standing there who haven't even started yep. because it's there's so many uh, but it's that's terrific yeah. um and it's a great event we'll talk more about that but you know i've never really talked to you much uh, specifically, uh, I know some little bit of it, but why you ever got involved in working with suicide, uh, the families of suicide, uh, uh, people who've died by suicide, and working with their families, and working with people who have attempted or contemplated, why Why yeah. did you get involved? You know, it happened 17 years, which is amazing to even think that it's been that long, but when our, my dad died of suicide October 5th of 2002, and I was 26 years old, and it was not a surprise to us by any means. He'd struggled for a long time and, and had had a previous attempt, but, you know, we just, just, his family didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to help him. We didn't talk about it. You know, it was, it was kept very hush-hush. He lived with really severe depression, and that depression manifested a lot of physical illness. He'd had over 22 surgeries throughout the course of his life, which then left him addicted to opioid medication, and just a just an awful last few years he had, you know, here on this earth. And, mm. and so when he died you know obviously we were encountered by a lot of of ignorance and insensitivity around the topic and people were you know kind of cruel but not meaning to be just that was the the mindset then if he was a coward and how selfish of him and how could he do that to us and you know i've had that i've had that feeling Mm -hmm. uh, um not about anybody in particular but somebody told me a story one time of a of a, a man who and let's get the terminology right. I know it changes, but a man who died as a result of suicide. Yep. 
uh, and uh, it told me the story uh, that had happened to them, and it was on Thanksgiving, and you know, uh, uh, and I and I thought, what an what an awful thing to do to to your family, yeah, and you know, ruin that for them for the rest of their lives and all that. So I have the I've had those uncharitable feelings. Oh, before. totally, totally. And everybody's experience, you know, is is different and personal. I mean, even within my own family, you know, my own siblings, we've all had our own experiences. Um, I just personally wanted to be able to to change the conversation. I just, I, I, and I knew because of my own experience, I had attempted multiple times as a teenager and it was never talked about. And so I knew why. I knew why. I knew what mm-hmm. it felt like to be in that space, but I needed to know more about how to help people. And so I, I just sat in my kitchen one night, you know, looking for resources back in the AOL dial-up days and, <laughs> you know, came across AFSP and real quick learned there wasn't a chapter in Utah. So I said, okay, what do we got to do to bring one here? Mm-hmm. And that's when they said, we, we host these events, the Out of the Darkness Walk. Mm-hmm. You know, start one so you can start raising funds yeah, that can start, sustain that's a chapter. Started, and that's where it started. With you, with the walk. Yep, yep. We did our first one down in Provo, actually, um, in 2007, and then it moved up to Wheeler Farm and was chaired that year by another gal, and then we did it at Wheeler, moved to Sugar House, and then outgrew Sugar House and moved to Liberty. So this will be our 13th year. Yeah, the first one I did was in Sugar House. Yeah, that's right. And and, uh, so uh, that just brings up multiple questions. Uh, You you talk about your own uh, attempts, and um, it it does seem to run in families, Mm -hmm. yeah? Yep. Is there, does anybody know why? No, I mean, it's like any other health issue. You know, when you have a health issue that runs in your family, this is one of those that can do the same. And a lot of the, you know, causal factors of suicide tend to stem from untreated mental health conditions or even treated ones, depression. And depression is what ran in my family. Mm-hmm. And I suffered from it, but didn't know what it was as a 12-year-old. You know, I didn't understand what was going on in my mind or my brain. And mm-hmm. plus it experienced some sexual abuse as a kid. So I had trauma. And then my parents divorced. And life just felt out of control and crazy. And I just... I hated every part of my being and just didn't know what else to do. And it wasn't that I wanted to be dead. I just didn't know how to live with what was going on. And it's almost like I just tried to escape, you know, this, this, this painful stuff. And yeah. So I, I'm grateful I survived because I, of course, got hospitalized and learned a ton about myself and then was able to start addressing the issues that I was struggling with versus hide from them. You got better. I did get better. That's pretty. And, and which is not to say I'm sure you don't have dark moments, mm-hmm. and, and uh, but you know what to do and how to, to deal with, with it. Yep. I know yeah. what to do when I have them now. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a... Uh, it's something that should be addressed as a ment or as a as a public health issue, and it's something that that it's not just hopeless. No, no. Suicide, you know, it is preventable. Not 100%. And I cringe when I hear people say that because that's not reality. You know, this is a health issue that doesn't get the kind of funding it should. It doesn't have the kind of care and services. I mean, we still, the best we have to offer sometimes to a suicidal person is we lock you up for three days in a psych ward against your will. That's not helpful. No. You know, it's not helpful. No. No person that has to endure that experience. They're like, first thoughts are, I'm never going to tell you I'm suicidal again. You know, so we, we don't have a system in place to offer good care and, and safe care for people who are struggling and you know so there's a lot of work we need to do but there are things we can do and we do need to make it a, a topic that we're not afraid to talk about I always correlate it to sex you know in Utah we thought if we talked about sex people will do it well mm-hmm. we were doing it anyway yeah. now of course we got to be careful how we talk about it you know I don't want to glamorize it to my kids and make it sound all appealing and hey go do this but I want to make sure they're informed and we need mm-hmm. to do the same thing with this health issue do, do people glamorize 
glamorize suicide they can. sometimes? They can. You know, yeah. we saw that with the Netflix series of 13 Reasons Why. You know, that was a show that appealed There's to another youth. Season, and, yep, another, another season of it. Coming. Is it, is it, is it not is it not helpful? I haven't no, seen it. I, I've read no. about the, I've read yeah. something about the controversy. Yeah. You don't think it's helpful. It's, well, I mean, it's again, detrimental. no, it's detrimental. And, and it's because they, they graphically, first of all, show this young lady take her own life, you mm. know, and that's, that's where it gets tricky is when we talk about how to do it, that does put people at risk, you know, and, and, and why, why show this young lady go through all this tragic stuff mm-hmm. and die? Why not show her get past it? Why not show her get over and through it, get support and help, you know? Mm-hmm. I know it's not what sells, but man, I just, they missed the boat. And again, it was geared towards teens. Yeah. So teens that could relate to this mm-hmm. young lady, mm-hmm. well, then they mimic behavior they see her do. And mm-hmm. we did see an increase in, in suicide attempt and mm-hmm. death, you know, after that show mm-hmm. came out. So mm-hmm. uh, it is, it is uh, glamorized too. And, uh, you know, the, the great, uh, you know, the great artists of the day, you know, uh, Hemingway, you know, he puts a shotgun in his mouth, you know, what a man, you know, he, he, he couldn't stand the pain of living anymore. And so that was the way to deal with it. It's, it's kind of, uh, uh, I mean, I guess again, you know, you want to you want to be mean about it in a way. You want to say that's not the that's not being a real man. That's because yeah. you're not dealing with it. You're yeah. just ending it. Yep. And it's harder to deal with it. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. And and again, that's why we just need to do more of normalizing in our community where it's okay to talk to one another and open up about the stuff that we're dealing with and struggling with. You know, life is hard and crappy, and you know, and and we need to model that for our kids. I think that more than anything. You know, we're in this Western civilization and society. Where where we've cowboyed up and, you know, the pioneering spirit. Well, no, you know, we need to get through stuff with each other and we can't manage everything by ourselves. And There are so many an- ancillary uh, topics around uh, suicide. Uh, you mentioned one of them, uh, and that's opioid addiction and drug addiction in general. Um, uh, it, that is being discussed as an epidemic and people are attacking that and, and, and trying to deal with that. And it really is responsible for, directly responsible for a lot of suicide, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. And there's a lot of overdose deaths that we don't know whether they were intentional or accidental. And so the overlap between overdose and suicide is, is, is so high. And the correlation with substance use, you know, I'm someone who lives in recovery. And the reason I live in recovery is because I watched my dad, you know, die from suicide after struggling with an addiction that he could not recover from. Yeah. And, and so I, I knew I had to take measures and steps to keep my own self safe because I could see myself going down that same mm-hmm. path. And, and you know, we see that frequently. You know, it's over a third of all suicides, you know, were at least intoxicated at the time of their death. Yeah. And just it was that... was my that, brother. He yeah. was... He, you know, and, and you always wonder if he had been sober, he would he have... He, you know, would he have done that? Sure, sure. He might. I mean, he was having a rough time, no doubt about it. But, but your inhibitions are down, yeah. and you just you just think, what the fuck? And yeah, you and do alcohol's it. a depressant, right? Yeah. We already know what it does to the brain and the body, mm-hmm. and so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, uh, the another ancillary topic in this whole thing is is uh, guns. Yeah. In fact, I just left the VA, you know, where I did a presentation on suicide prevention and firearms. And, you know, and it's a topic we need to be willing to, to address. You know, half of all people who kill themselves use a gun in which to do so. That is our biggest opportunity in suicide prevention. Doesn't mean we can't own them, but it means we need to start talking safe storage. You know, how are you storing that gun? What are you doing with the ammunition? Is it really, truly locked up, not just on the high shelf, you know? And who has access to it? You know, it'd be nice if we knew when crisis 
crisis was going to just show up at our door, but we don't. And mm-hmm. so by not having things stored safely, you know, we, we put people at risk. And in Utah, 86% of all gun deaths are suicide. 86%, 86% of gun deaths. In the state of Utah are suicide. And then there's like probably 10% that they say that are accidental that aren't. Yep. Yep. So, so, so we just, yeah, we need to address it. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go back to uh, uh, drugs a little bit, too. Um, the, one of the problems with the uh, uh, prescription addictions and opioids is that maybe you are not addicted to them, but you had them and you still have them and you leave them in your in your medicine cabinet. I'm sorry yeah. that keeps you're good. It keeps shrinking there. Down. No, you know, and that's something we talk about all the time too. And in, in suicide prevention is just again limiting access to means. And so if you use a medication and you, you know you don't take all of them, you're one of those good ones. Mm-hmm. I could never do that. So bravo to you. <laughs> you know, but I can because I'm allergic to them. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but get get rid of them, dispose of mm-hmm. them. You know, there's there's packets that you can get from the health department. There's Dropbox is where you can you every know, dispose of medications. Yeah. yeah. Every pharmacy. You know, so them. not leaving those things around. I even talk with like, you know, getting Tylenol at Costco. You know, nobody needs access to 500 of those things. You know, break them up, store them safely, put out what you need for the day or for the week. But just minimizing access to stuff that could be lethal and mm-hmm. dangerous is key. Mm-hmm. What um, uh, What about um, uh, people who um, come, come to you and they say, I don't really want to talk about any of this publicly. It's private family matters. And um, that, that it does need to be brought out into the open yeah. a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, you put it in the paper in the obituary in the paper and you can sometimes you can tell yeah that was a suicide but they won't say it yeah and i think i i've been really impressed to see how many people are coming out more bravely and really sharing about their struggle with their loved one and that they died from either overdose or drug addiction or suicide and, and spelling it out and saying it you know again this is a health issue there shouldn't be any shame around this any more than when we announce that our loved one dies from cancer or in a car accident mm-hmm. and i know we're not there yet but man we need to get there you know suicide is also one of the only causes of death that when our loved one does die we go into that guilt and shame mode and beat ourselves up over all the stuff we could have should have would have done we don't do that with cancer we don't do that with heart disease you know we don't sit and say oh well if i wouldn't have said that thing you know maybe they wouldn't have died Mm -hmm. so we we need to shift the way that we we address it and look at it even for ourselves us survivors need to let ourselves off the hook you know because obviously if there was anything we could have would have should have we would have yeah and and so getting educated about this you know cause i know and uh when my i wrote my brother's obituary and my mom was really kind of not not too keen on the idea of putting the fact that he had uh, he had ended his life by suicide and I, I so I didn't say it directly but I did say something about we were we were surprised and uh, and very sad that he had chosen yeah. to leave the world when he did yeah um, and, uh, and that may, I think that makes it pretty clear what happened there yeah. and she was okay with that um, it, it, it really does it's th- there are other victims than the than the people who die by suicide and that that's the family right yep I mean we know that people who lose a loved one to suicide their increased risk for suicide now, you know, heightens, they say, on average six to eight times. Because, again, the, the trauma of the death and, you know, the, the family history of that and just what, what the family is left to grapple with. You know, again, that grieving process is very different than other types of death. We don't always get, and it's gotten, it's gotten better, but we don't always get the same support. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I always kind of joke, say, you know, nobody showed up with the cr- crappy green jello with the carrots, <laughs> you know, after her yeah. dad died. And I'm glad because I think it's gross. But, you know, <laughs> 
and it wasn't that they didn't care. They just didn't come because they didn't know what to say. They're embarrassed. You know, they know what to say. I don't know what do I yeah, say. What do I say? Well, you say, say the same so, thing. Say you're sorry. Yeah, you say I'm the so same sorry thing. that this had happened yep. to you and your family. And yep. uh, and if there's anything I can do to help, I would be happy to help. Yep. And I mean, it's I mean, it's no different than it. it, it it's no different than any other death. No. It is it is a death and it's that's a death. always almost almost always it's a sad thing when yep. someone when someone uh, dies and that and and it's a sad thing that they felt that they had necessary to do that or or something led them to that and mm-hmm. it's a sad thing for the family and that so why not talk about it? Yep. Um, it's really odd though that it runs in families. I know I spoke to a couple up in Ogden last year. I go, I do the Ogden walk yes, after, I, do. after I, I do know, the Salt Lake walk. <laughs> they, they call me and say, you, you were really good at the uh, Salt Lake walk. Could you come <laughs> up and do Ogden too? Sure. Of sure. course I can. Um, and uh, I was talking to this couple and they had lost uh, a son, I believe it was, to suicide. Anyway, a child. And their other child was standing there with them. And I said, well, it seems to me you're handling it well and that's great and I'm sorry for your loss. But And they said, well, and we're happy to talk about it. And also, we have to keep our eye on this one. Yeah. Said, what? Said, yeah, no, this one ha- also has problems and the, and the and the kid was going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so but they that that was good they had yeah. a grip on it yeah you know we have a couple of families who walk in our walk that have you know multiple children that they have lost mm. and what i see and again this is something for us as society members to be mindful of you know when a parent loses a child you know we rush in and support the parents but what about the kids mm-hmm. you know they lost a sibling yeah and a lot of times kids are told be strong for mom and dad well who's being strong for them you mm-hmm. know so again if we as a community could really just rally around the whole family and and you know take turns maybe helping out with the kids give mom and dad a break or vice versa you know i mean we we need to be mindful of all, of all of us so we so we attack this problem head on as much as we can and and i know you work every day about doing that and, and dealing with it uh and then but then these peripheral issues again guns drugs and then there's something odd at play in our society here in utah uh and and uh, well in other places as well and that is a sexual orientation yeah that seems to be a big factor as well doesn't it yeah 100 percent. you know again our our communities and and our nation has not quite yet come to the the rallying point that we need to 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 love and accept people who who identify differently Mm -hmm. you know i mean we don't even do that with political views or Mm -hmm. other things you know We, we we struggle but yeah folks of the lgbtq community do have heightened risk for both suicide risk and attempt and and we need to be more mindful of how to help them feel included and a part of you know Again, you don't have to agree, like, I know that's a novel concept for some of us, but yeah. you just be kind and love people and allow them to be who they are. I love the term acceptance. I hate being told tolerance. Don't tolerate me. Accept yeah, that, me. that and I, I think you've co- corrected me on that a couple of times, Bill. You're not being tolerant. You're being accepting, <laughs> accepting us. But I, you know, and no, I am. True. I, uh, uh, it's funny, I was uh, thinking about it in terms of, um, so, so, I don't understand why people are not more accepting of people who have uh, a different orientation, sexual orientation. When they see that, it causes them so much pain sometimes that they uh, they spiral out of control. They go into drugs, alcohol, whatever, or and sometimes die as a result of suicide. 
You think that they would be doing doing any of that if the, if they could exactly. do something different? If it was a lifestyle, yeah. if they could choose it, they would unchoose it to not have to feel the way and be treated the way they are in our society. You you would you would say um, I I I accept you for who you are, and I do this because I think that you deserve to be alive. Yeah, and not be uh, uh, tormented and all the time. So I mean, we saw that this last legislative session when we brought that conversion therapy bill before the Utah legislature. And those people that came out in force, you know, in opposition and, you know, thinking that this is something that can be and should be changed. Like, really, we're still there, Mm -hmm. you know, so it it was eye opening and disheartening to really see how many folks still believe that and have that mindset. But, you know, luckily, there's some good movement happening. But, yeah, we need to affirm and allow people just to be, man, just be. Where did where where did we end up with that legislation? Well, so right now what has happened is the governor did issue Doppel. um, So they are actually looking at revising their rules. There's some public comment that's going to be open right now. I believe you can comment on the rules that are proposed, but really it would hold the licensing agency responsible for making sure that anyone practicing conversion therapy was running the risk of violating their ethical practice as a licensed mental health professional. Oh, Doppel, yep, Department yep, of Public Department Light. Of, yep, Occupation and Professional Licensing. Yeah, uh, that, that, well, that, that, would, that makes sense and yep. that would be a good thing to do. Uh, but again, it, sometimes parents, and it's a lot of times parents, are going to drag them to some witch yep. doctor and say you know fix this kid yeah fix this kid he's he's the he or she is not right fix him um well, yeah. and what we found that was disheartening to me is a lot of youth were seeking out those services prior because they didn't want to have to go home and tell their mom mm-hmm. and dad, you know, how sad. So, again, we just we just need to come together, get educated, get informed so we can be, be creating cultures that are safer for our community, for speaking, sure. Speaking of safe, uh, Safe UT, the app. You, you like that? I thing. love that app. Yep, yeah. that's been a great resource. Tell people what that is exactly. Yeah, so Safe UT was created really geared towards schools, you know, secondary and high school, so that kids could have a, a tool in which they could chat live with a crisis counselor through their smartphone device. And this is an actual licensed yep, counselor, licensed clinical I think, social a, worker at uni. uni. Yep, at University, University of Utah. Yeah. Yep, and so they're able to chat live with a crisis counselor. They can report tips if they're worried about somebody. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of kids we know will talk to other kids, and so if they're concerned about someone, they can report a tip. It's anonymous. You know, we've had many live rescues and saves for kids who are expressing suicidality. Cool. We've even had school attacks, shootings, bombings, you name it, averted because mm-hmm. of this. Well, at the uh, at so. West High School yesterday, there some kid brought a gun to school, and uh, there was a lockdown. But the school didn't know that about this gun until three hours or so after someone yeah. saw the kid with the gun. Three hours they yeah. waited. Now, fortunately, nothing happened in Thank that God. period of time. But then some somebody finally went to the administration and said so and so had a gun, and I you know I saw him drop it on the floor, and they picked it up and. The, why you should have told us yeah. right away, but you yeah. didn't. But then the the school spokesperson, whoever it was, I was reading today said we would encourage all the students to uh, download this Safe UT app because you could have used it right, right then, then, and nobody would have known. Yep. It was you. You know, yeah. You're, if you were worried that uh, the kid was going to shoot you or his friends were going to be angry with you or whatever, yeah. nobody would have known. Do it on your phone, and nobody would know. Yep, it's a so, great resource. Uh, do parents can, can parents, parents can use download it? it as well? Yep, Safe UT. Safe UT. Simple. Um, Another uh, kind of interesting uh, development in all of this is, I guess, the uh, FCC has just 
finally mm-hmm. said a three-digit number to call for suicide uh, help. Right? Yeah, you know, we're fortunate. Senator Thatcher and Steve Ellison, you know, had brought up that idea of creating a three-digit number for, for crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know if my house is burning down, call 911. Well, why don't we have that for suicide or other, you know, mental health crises? And so Orrin Hatch and, and Congressman Chris Stewart brought that, you know, before the National Congress and the National Hotline Improvement Act was initiated last year and the FCC has designated a, a three-digit number. Right now, the number that they've identified is is 988. There's some some risk with that. It's not one that could be universally used right now. And so there are definitely, we're trying to go back and revisit Congress to make sure that they, if we're going to do a three-digit number, let's do the right three-digit number. Which how would it, be 6? We would love it to be 611. I mean, Why wouldn't not? that be awesome? You know, those N11 numbers are designated mm-hmm. for, for that kind of a use. And right now it's cell phones, but let's let's put it to a better use. What stand, oh, oh, that's right. That's what that is right mm-hmm. now. It is if I if I dial, yep. if I punch in 611, I, and I haven't used it for years, but I remember when I first started using a cell phone and I would have trouble with it, it yep. would go 611 and it would go to the Verizon customer service, but I guess it, that works on all. So they're the ones that are standing in the yeah, way. Yeah, FCC's designated a number, but we're, we're at AFSP, our advocates, we're pushing back a little bit. We want to see them designate the right number. Yeah. We want to make sure it's accessible to everybody. Yeah, I, that's 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 and it's and it's the big cell phone companies uh, providers that are standing in the Probably. way of it. We want no, you we that's our number. You cannot have it. Yep. Uh, maybe they should start talking to them directly. Yeah. Uh, like, um, uh, let's get all the executives of these companies together: Verizon and AT and T and Sprint, and their the presidents, the CEOs, the vice presidents, the regional presidents. And get them all in a room and say, "I want you to raise your hand if you've had anyone in your family die as a result of suicide." Yeah. Come on, let's see. Let's talk about it. Yep. Do it. Well, I don't understand I why know. people just fuck around with this stuff. I know. Bullshit. It's the bureaucracy. Just, just get to it. Yep. Get to the meat of the problem. Yep. Here's what the deal is, and you've all been affected by it, so let's fix yep. it. And let's fix it now. All right. So to be continued, but yes. yes. <laughs> uh, we're almost done here, but let's talk a little bit about the, the walk. Uh, it's in two weeks. Yeah. It's on the... Um, so it's on the 14th, 14th. of September. Yeah. Yep. At Liberty Park. So if people want to be involved in this, and believe me, this is a wonderful, open, caring group of, well, it's, yeah. it's more than a group. It's 8,000 or more yeah. people. It'll be more this year. Yeah, I'm guessing it will. It was huge mm. last year. Yeah. So if people want to be a part of it, get involved with it, see what it's like, what should they do? Yeah. So you can register online prior to if you just visit AF sp.org slash slc for salt lake city um, you can register uh, you can create a team invite others to join your team it is a fundraiser but you don't have to pay a ding darn dime to participate you know a you can you dime. can just come and walk You're a country so there's girl, there's you? no registration fee <laughs> but we'd love you just to come and be a part of this day if you've been affected mm-hmm. and that doesn't have to be lost if you've struggled or you just support people who've struggled you know come out and join others who get it we do an entire resource fair where there is every local mental health and you know, group mm-hmm. out there so you can see what services are available in your community. Um, music and fun. You know, the VA will be represented. We have a lot of our LGBTQ groups being represented in different mental health agencies. And just want people to know that there is help, there is support, 
and and you're not alone. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great event, and uh, it is a fun. Oh, there's a silent auction. You know what? Our silent auction isn't happening this year. Not we didn't get do enough it? donations this oh, year, so we'll bring it back next year. But, but yeah, a, you know, but it's okay. It's not a as yeah. you said. It's a, it's a fundraiser, but it, 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 in a way, that's not the point. No, it's as, about uh, coming together. Yeah, coming together for a common goal. That's good. I think the, the silent auction was just kind of a fun side mm-hmm. note to it. For sure. Uh, but it's yeah, it's not the point really. Um, you know, the one thing we didn't talk about. You mentioned the VA, and that's uh, how many uh, veterans are uh, are are ill and having trouble. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, again another problem. People come back from battle zones, and they they're, they're they got things to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and we got a lot of work to do there. You know, it's been awesome to see the VA step up in really meaningful ways, and you know, helping figure out how do we reach those veterans, and how do we encourage them and get them and, and connect with them in their homes. So maybe they're not having to come in and access mm-hmm. services, but you know, these are some of the people that bore some of the best battles for all of us, you know, and we need to do better at, at getting them the care and support they need. You know, it's they average, what, 20 suicides a day in, in our veteran population, and that's not okay. Yeah. You know, we, we, we can do better, and we must do mm-hmm. better. Uh, so if uh, anybody listening to this, we would be remiss if we didn't, uh, uh, if you didn't give phone numbers yeah. and, and ways, ways you can get help. Yeah, so you know what, right now even, this is something I love about our smartphones, if you even say into your smartphone right now, I'm thinking of suicide, Siri, or Google will tell you the suicide prevention lifeline number to call and until we get the three digit dial 1-800-273-8255 and that's the national suicide prevention lifeline you can call that 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 and you will talk to a trained mental health professional who can help you mm-hmm. you know you don't have to be suicidal to call if you're worried about somebody and just need to talk and say hey what here's can, what i'm what seeing what can i do you yeah. know do that reach out and call the national suicide prevention lifeline that's interesting though you can just say to siri or google yeah. uh, hey google yeah. i'm i'm feeling like i may oh it just didn't <laughs> <laughs> i better i'm cancel google, cancel I'm, not, google. I'm i'm feeling fine a little hungover but other than that i'm okay uh, uh taryn it's a pleasure yeah, we haven't we haven't really sat down and talked like this i think for a long time and yeah that's i appreciate good to do. it and then i almost i don't see much of you when we're at the walk on we're the 14th around, yeah huh? well i'm just sitting on my ass or standing behind a microphone but you are going a mile a minute and it's uh it's great work that you do and thanks a lot well we appreciate you very much i hope you know you bring a special element to our event and people ask every year if bill's going to be back so thank you so much I, for dedicating I, the I, day to us we appreciate you. i will do it as long as i can stand yeah, up i appreciate or that. sit down or <laughs> <laughs> as long as somebody says you're not making any sense anymore bill it's time, <laughs> time to stop uh taryn hyatt uh, american foundation for suicide prevention uh thank you so much thank you uh that's it uh it's the let's go eat show uh thank you to the folks here at the daily 222 south main street i had a, a spicy tuna sandwich is great and i assume your coffee is oh my gosh i had their new white chocolate she says they make it themselves iced white mocha delish they make the wow make it themselves pretty, she said that's pretty sweet uh dick clark thank you for producing the show uh we i always appreciate your help i really do uh that's it i'm bill allred remember if you're pouring drinks well maybe not today but in most of the time always make mine a double <laughs>